listeners, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Connor McQuivy. I'm your host every week. Renoites is a podcast where I talk to folks from the Reno area, from the worlds of politics, business, arts and culture, all kinds of good stuff. This week, my guest is my boss, Vicki Musney. I host Trivia at local bars. I don't know if you knew that. Vicky is my boss at DJ Trivia. DJ Trivia has about 10 venues right now where we host trivia at local bars and restaurants. I am so excited that Vicky was willing to join me for the podcast. We talk a little bit about the DJ Trivia business, how we support local bars and restaurants. We talk about Toastmasters, the public speaking group that we are both a part of. And we talk about different personality types. Vicky is a certified personality trainer. So we learn a little bit about the different personality types and why they matter. Before we jump into the interview, again, a couple of quick reminders. This is a brand new podcast, so please do me a favor and help spread the word. Share episodes on Facebook. Let people know that we are up and running and doing episodes every week, coming out usually on Tuesdays. And if you have any feedback for me, please feel free to send me an email. My email address is Connor, that's C-O-N-O-R, at renoites.com. I would love to know what type of guests you would like to hear on the show in upcoming episodes. So, please welcome this week's guest, Vicki Musney. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You are Vicki Musney, my boss. So, <laughs> welcome to the show. Tell me a little bit about, let's start with DJ Trivia. You are my boss at DJ Trivia. I host Trivia a couple nights a week right now. It looks like we might be adding some more venues. We're kind of on this comeback from COVID. So can you just start by talking about what what DJ Trivia is for people who are not familiar with it? Sure, sure. First, thank you, Connor, for inviting me to be on your show. It's really fun that I get to be your boss in another part of your life, but I'm super excited that this is your show, and I'm really honored to be invited so yeah, DJ Trivia is actually a national company, and then my husband and I bought into it about a little over eight years ago, and we are classified as an affiliate ship, so it's kind of like having a franchise. So I wish I could say that I invented it, that it was my brainchild, but really what was happening is I was speaking at a conference, and so was one of the owners of the national company, and at the end of the conference, our group played a game of DJ trivia. And my husband and I kind of looked at each other and went, oh my gosh, Reno needs this. As soon as we're ready to buy and do another business, this is what I think we should do. And at that time, there was no such thing as restaurant trivia in Reno. There were bars that were kind of doing their own thing with trivia. and But it was mostly a late night thing. I couldn't find any trivia that started um, before 9 p.m. And there was nothing that you could bring your family to. And that's kind of what made DJ Trivia unique. So we partner with local restaurants and bars. We have both. Um, but we kind of cater to what I call the clean and classy trivia crowd. All of our games are 7 to 9, our weeknight games. And we have an earlier one on Sunday evenings. But we exist to support local businesses, other bars and restaurants, and to help boost a slow night. So maybe a place that... It has a good following, you know, good people, good staff, a great Friday and Saturday night, but maybe their Tuesday night was kind of slow. We give people a reason to come in there on Tuesdays and bring their friends and family and come back week after week and play with great hosts like Connor. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I do like that it is family friendly and that you have a variety of venues and that we also take the same game format and give it to multiple venues. Because I think part of the 
challenge sometimes with things like trivia nights is if you don't know the rules and you don't know how it's played and you don't know the venue that well or whatever, then there is this kind of like, I don't really know this thing feeling that you come to. But if you play DJ trivia at one venue, you can go play anywhere and it's the same game format, but you might have a different host or you have a different bar with different food and a different environment. But there's a familiarity once you kind of know what it is and how it works. Yeah, I think it does. It levels the playing field a little bit because you kind of know what to expect. But I like it because the game will take on the personality of the location. Every bar or restaurant has its own personality and a kind of its own feel. And our hosts, they're all human too, you know, like not everybody is a Connor. Now, I have joked that I have wished I could clone Connor because he's amazing. Um, And I have other staff that I honestly say the same thing about. I have a really, really great team of people right now. But you each have your own personality. And so being able to match the right person with the right bar with the you know with the right clientele to create the mood that just fits is is awesome but i love it i see the the photos that you guys are posting of your winning teams week after week and i see some of these teams that are playing you know two three four nights a week and i know there's people that just love it and frankly coming out of you know a a shelter in place you know crazy year that we've had people are just so ready to go out and be social And I also think there's this new awareness of how important it is to support local. I think that's another one of the positives that came out of the pandemic is people kind of knew that it was important to support local. But I think this year we really felt it because more of our friends and family members and neighbors, we saw them struggling when their businesses were shut down and it all of a sudden became more real that it really is important. And that's probably my favorite thing about this business. Besides, I feel like we provide something really fun and unique for the community. And like I, like I said, with families being, you know, able to come and, and underage college students, you know, not needing to get a fake ID to go play trivia. Like I support that as a mom of a 20 year old daughter, I support that, (laughs) that you can go to a restaurant and play. But I love getting to partner with these local businesses. And we've done some trivia games over the years in, you know, some of the different casinos, but Really, truly, my heart is working with other local business owners, like Connor hosts at Chica's. And I know that Jason and Chica, I know them. They own that restaurant. It's named after her. They've got six kids, and this is how they take care of their family. And the fact that I was able to find a business that is the way I take care of my family, and it's creating this this win-win for for that family, for my family, for Connor as my employee, for all of the people that come out there on Monday nights and have a great time. Sorry, I just get excited. Like I love what I get to do. It's yeah, it's the most fun business ever. It's great. I love that having multiple venues. You mentioned that putting like the right host in the right venue and making a good fit there. It's also fun as a host to work in multiple venues. I've hosted for DJ Trivia for about two years now. And it was a little on and off last year with the pandemic, but but generally for about two years. So I've worked in a bunch of different venues and I've had these times where I had the same venues week after week. And it's kind of fun being able to adapt a little to the venue. Like you said, the game kind of takes on the personality of the venue a little bit. So I've had some venues that are really loud and kind of wild and a little more, you know, more bar and and, and drink oriented than others. And then some that are more family friendly and and uh i have families that come as a regular team week after week with the kids and everything so it's really fun being able to as a host experience those different kind of environments but i do like that they 
tend to all be local businesses, like you said, supporting these local businesses. And as a host, I get to know like Jason and Chica and I get to know the bar staff at all of these venues that I see week after week. So it's really fun for me to have a job that lets me be actively involved in local businesses and in the local community. It's one of the best jobs I've ever had. I tell people this all the time that it's Mm -hmm. such a fun job. It barely feels like work. I get to go out several nights a week to be at the bar and be the center of attention for a couple hours and be on the microphone and everyone is having a good time. There's no stress. It's really such a fun job to be able to share something with people in town that I also get to participate in. You know, it's not like I'm just doing the grunt work behind the scenes. It feels like I'm playing trivia too when we're playing the game. So I really appreciate being able to have a job that that's fun and that's rewarding and that that gets me involved in the community which is one of the things I wanted to shout out some of our venues. So I host, I'm right now at Chica's, which is in Sparks on Victorian Square. That's on Monday nights, signups at seven. We play at 7.30 and I host at Sierra Tap House where I have been since I first started hosting DJ Trivia. That was one of my first mm-hmm. venues. So I've been there for two years. It was the Reno News and Review called it the best trivia night in Reno last year. I was just going to say that. I was going to make sure that that got mentioned because that's not just about the bar. That's also about the trivia game and about the host. For that many people to vote from our community that that's the best trivia game, that deserves its own separate shout out. So Yes, I was very, very, very proud of that. So those are my two venues right now, but I'm really excited. I worked at the Brewer's Cabinet, and I know they have several venues that have been involved with DJ Trivia. So let's talk Brewer's Cabinet real quick, though, because... I just met with them yesterday, and I don't know exactly when this is going to drop, but April 15th, they are bringing us, DJ Trivia, specifically Connor, to the Brewer's Cabinet production facility over off 4th Street, and they have expanded. I had never been all the way inside. I've gone over there and you know sat at a picnic table or bought my six-pack and taken it home for a barbecue or whatever. They have this huge indoor property now with, I don't know, like 20 picnic tables, and it's going to be amazing in there. So yeah, it's going to be a blast. And so it's really cool to have another one like almost towards Verdi in just a different part of town. So that's going to be fun. And so, yeah, Connor will be moving over to the BC production facility. And I'm sure some of your regulars that were playing at their restaurant pub will join you. Yeah, I'm really excited. Brewers Cabin, I used to host at the Tap Room, which was a really fun venue, but a little bit small. It would fit like, I don't know, six, maybe seven teams. And it was pretty tightly packed and could be really loud. So I'm really excited that hopefully some of those Brewers Cabinet Tap Room teams can um, can come join me at the production facility. Well, and pre-COVID, I would go in there and I would even joke like, gosh, I hope the fire marshal doesn't come in because you would have teams standing and there'd be probably a little more than they were supposed to have, but nobody really cared pre-pandemic. And then once COVID hit, they did bring us into the restaurant area for a while, but they are, honestly, they're doing really great, which is awesome to me. Like my whole goal is to see my clients succeeding. And if they're having, you know, an awesome Thursday night without trivia, I mean, obviously they're at 50% still, so it's a little bit weird. I'm excited they're going to be able to take us into the production facility. And hopefully when capacity limits are lifted and when this thing is, you know, a distant memory, we'll be back over there um, sooner, if not later. And Old Bridge Pub was another one where Connor was, which again is a little bit too small at 50% capacity to be practical for for trivia. And then while we're on the subject, Shims is also that same ownership group. They are our Sunday evening game. They're the only one that's a little earlier. They're five to seven. And that, if you have not been, is a super fun speakeasy on Third Street, kind of right near the El Dorado parking garage. 
And uh, don't be confused. It's a speakeasy. You have to enter from the back. That's kind of part of their, their theme. But they talk about a place that has a cool vibe and amazing craft cocktails, just super fun menu. And that's all the same ownership group. Um, Sierra Tap House, Shims, uh, Brewer's Cabinet, and Old Bridge Yeah, Club. Shims is a really cool bar. I think a lot of people might not realize it's there because, like you said, it's a speakeasy and the entrance is in the back. But you go in and it's this really cool little spot. And like you said, good cocktails, good people there. So definitely I recommend that bar for people who haven't heard of it. Oh, I wanted to talk to you about small business bingo. So that's something that's starting this month and that DJ Trivia has a little promotion around. And I think, you know, the person who started this uh, Reno small business bingo. Yes. Can you just talk a little bit about about what that is and um, and what DJ Trivia is doing for it and just kind of the, the, the goal of it? Yeah, sure. No, I am all about supporting local businesses. So Jessica nicely is the owner of the stylish scribe. And I knew her back from when we were focused on weddings, like pre trivia, she did a lot of wedding invitations and like high end stationery, um, very talented and, you know, design and, and, all things print. Um, obviously, it's been a tough year for anybody remotely connected to weddings or live events. And out of that, she had this idea to try to support other local businesses. And she just created Reno Small Business Bingo. I don't think she makes any money off of it. She only charges the businesses like $25 a square to buy a square for a month. And that money goes into prizes and printing and you know production, things like that. She's not profiting from it. Her heart is just totally in the right place. And different businesses can buy a square and then you can anybody can go to renosmallbusiness.com or renosmallbusinessbingo.com and download a bingo board. So the new one for April be up on the website and then you it's just bingo like literally every square has a business and there's some kind of a deal attached to it so like you might go to a place and get 10% off of a purchase at a clothing store you know maybe it's buy an entree at a restaurant and get a free beverage or something like that obviously for trivia for me to buy a square I can't give away products because I don't own the bars and restaurants where we do trivia. So if you go and you get the trivia square, you get 10 free bonus points for your team in the second round. And then obviously if you're there playing trivia, you know, you're spending whatever you're going to spend on bar food and, and bar tab and whatever. But you can actually go to any of our 10 trivia locations that are active right now and get that stamp. And then if you get a bingo, I don't remember the exact rules. I'm not looking at it at the moment. But if you get a five across in any direction, you can submit that and you get entered into a drawing for raffle prizes. And then the first person that gets a blackout and turns that in gets $50. And I don't remember if it's cash or a gift card. I should have refreshed the rules. I'm just all about playing the game and you know having fun and supporting local businesses, which is why this when I saw this, I just knew I wanted DJ Trivia to be involved because those are all the things I care about. Playing games, having fun, supporting local. And honestly, when I play trivia, we don't even win. So I didn't even really pay attention to the prizes. But the fact that there are prizes is fun. But I just think it's a super cool and unique way to support local businesses. So if you own a local business, check it out, email her and go buy a square and everybody download one and go play. Just support local. It's a good way to just go somewhere that you haven't necessarily been and, uh, and, and try something. So, yeah. Yeah. And the website for that is Reno small business bingo.com. Yes. Is that right? Reno small business bingo.com. You can also find them as Reno small business bingo on Instagram or Facebook. Excellent. Yeah. I like that. There seems to be this commonality between the small business bingo and what DJ trivia does of creating something that 
helps other small businesses in town. So you have a a model or an idea that it's like a win-win-win. It's a business for you and your family. It is a entertainment product for the people that are going out to it. It is driving traffic to these bars on uh, and restaurants on nights that they might not be that busy. So I really like that your business is helping other businesses. Absolutely. That, that is cool. that, that's the goal. And this week I've been taking all of my hosts a few printed copies in case people don't see it on social media and they show up to play trivia for example, maybe they didn't know about Reno Small Business Bingo. You guys as hosts can announce it and even hand them a card to play to help them get started. But also I think every other business on that is doing the same thing. So there are people that maybe go into a certain store or a different restaurant and they're handed a bingo board and they're like, oh, cool. I've never played DJ Trivia. I've seen that logo around town, but I don't really know what it is. And then they go play a game and and it's introducing new people to new places because, yeah, I just it's a total win, win, win. Awesome. Yeah, I, I really do. Uh, I really love the DJ trivia model. And I'm so glad that it's something that we have in town. I used to play trivia a lot when I lived in Portland, there was a lot of bar trivia. And then when I moved back to Reno a few years ago, I started playing DJ trivia just as a player. And it's been so fun to to be part of the DJ trivia family. I also wanted to ask you a little bit about Toastmasters. So for listeners who don't know, basically, I met Vicky a couple years ago, she hired me for DJ trivia. And then she told me about Toastmasters, which is a public speaking group. And we'll talk a little bit about what Toastmasters is. So I ended up joining her Toastmasters club. So now we see each other at Toastmasters as well. So Vicky has kind of pulled me into all of these awesome things. So let's talk a little bit about Toastmasters. We're in the same Toastmasters club. Um, Toastmasters is a public speaking group that has existed for, I don't know how long, oh, but for a very 80 long years. Time. Yeah, I don't remember oh, wow. exactly yeah. the start date, but yeah, a long time. Yeah. And so the format of Toastmasters clubs basically is that you gather weekly that used to be in person. Now it's online and we're talking about what it's going to look like going back to in person to practice public speaking, either prepared speeches or impromptu kind of off the cuff speaking. And obviously, Vicky wants her host to participate in things like Toastmasters because it helps us be better speakers. But I think that it has been such a fun process to get to know people. And it's the the community aspect of having something to go to every week where you see some familiar faces that are outside of your normal, you know, you see your family every day or you see your coworkers every day. It's nice to have another group of people that you go to see and talk to and interact with. I think it's something in our modern world that has gone so online and so kind of like text based. We don't talk to each other that much. We text each other all the time to have a thing that I go to once a week where I actively speak and engage with people and talk and practice speaking is really rewarding. And I feel like people should do more of that type of gathering outside of your work and normal home life or be in a club, be in a group. So can you, Vicky, tell me a little bit about how you came to be in Toastmasters? Like, when did you learn about Toastmasters? Give me your, your Toastmasters story. Yeah, I mean, Toastmasters, I think some people are like, oh my God, public speaking, you know, it's like one of the most common fears and people hate it, but it's really, it's more than that. Yes, public speaking is an element of it, but it's a little bit broader than that. It's communication and leadership. So you can practice all kinds of communication. Some of it is, yes, speaking with a microphone in front of a group of people, but some people just join because they 
you know, are knowing they're going to be changing jobs and they want to brush up on their interview skills. So you're not always interviewing with a group. Sometimes you might have a panel, but often it's just one-on-one. But that practice of learning to think on your feet is, you know, important to, to make sure that you can process your words and not get hung up like I am right now. You know, um, I love doing interviews like this. I love getting on podcasts and I think I'm, I'm pretty comfortable, but a lot of that is because I've been in Toastmasters for eight years. So kind of my story to answer your question, I've always enjoyed public speaking as an adult. I did not enjoy it when I was like high school and younger, but then something happened and I started liking it. And I was doing some speaking at a local, a local moms group called Mops Mothers of Preschoolers, which is also an international organization like Toastmasters that has chapters all over the world. And when I moved to Reno, I had two babies. So I joined this club to, like Connor said, meet people and provide a community and a social element. And then I started speaking and sharing some of the things I was learning. And one of my friends um, from there, who now Assemblywoman Jill Tolls, was the first person that said, hey, have you heard of Toastmasters? I think you would really enjoy it. It'd be right up your alley. And I thought, yeah, that sounds really cool. But at the time, I had two babies or a toddler and a baby. And I'm like, I can't pay for childcare to go to this thing just because it sounds really fun and I need a hobby. It just wasn't going to fit in with my life. And I think it was a 10, 10 years until another friend named Kathy said to me, hey, have you ever heard of Toastmasters? I'm in this club called Washoe Express. I'd love for you to come visit. And my kids were older by that point and in school. And I'm like, Yes, thank you for inviting me. I'm in. Sign me up. Like I signed my paperwork and became a member the very first day. Gave my, my icebreaker speech, they call it, the next week. And I've been. I think I'm a lifer. That was uh, eight years ago, almost exactly. Little, little, just over eight years. And then shortly thereafter, I joined a second club. And then three years ago, I heard about an online club that was starting for people that were all DJs and professional MCs. And I just knew like, oh, those are my people. I wasn't really looking for a third club, but this is what I do as a DJ trivia affiliate. And I speak at DJ conferences all over North America and Australia. I knew those are the people I wanted to be around. And so I was a founding member of that club. And so now I am still active in three clubs every week, two local based in Reno clubs that obviously have been meeting online since the pandemic. Um, and then my other club, that's been online the whole time. But that was kind of cool too, because when Washoe Express and my other club, The Chamber, needed to move to Zoom, nobody had any concept locally of what that was like. And they all turned to me and they're like, well, what does Toastmasters look like? Can you really do it online? And I'm like, yeah, I've been doing this for two years. I'll show you. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll teach you what you need to know. You, you know, we used to have, for example, we time all the speeches and we had a cute little stoplight timer and somebody's job was to, you know, pay attention and keep track of how long your speech was supposed to be. And when you hit your minimum, you get this little green light in the back of the room. And then when you got, you know, halfway to your maximum, you'd get a yellow. And then when your time was up and you really needed to wrap it up within 30 seconds, you'd get a red light. And people were like, well, that was my job. I would walk into the room and I would plug the timer in and I would sit in a certain spot and I would use that timer. How do I do that at home? And I'm like, well, there's ways, you know, you can be simple like me. I keep a red, yellow and green piece of paper on my desk and I hold them up. Some people get fancy with their backgrounds or their lights, you know, and I've seen people use highlighters or folders, but it was really easy. But all of those little things like learning how to adapt and learning how to communicate better in a online format. I practiced that week after week. So not only when the pandemic hit, was I more prepared to help other people do, continue to do those things online, 
I'd been giving speeches and doing webinars and practicing like how to look into the camera for doing things online for a couple of years. And I was really grateful that I was in that. And then as an extrovert, who's fun, super amazing local business that got me to go out to all of these restaurants and bars and see people every day, week after week, got shut down. My extroverted self was dying. And I'm so grateful that my clubs continue to meet online. And that still was a bright spot in my week and a social element for me as well. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun being part of Toastmasters. It's interesting that when I was younger, I used to think I was shy. I think about this a lot where I was kind of like a nerdy kid and I didn't like to be the center of attention that much. But over time, I realized that I really kind of like the the spotlight every now and then, obviously not all the time. But it seems that my trajectory over life has gone from being kind of like kind of shy and kind of quiet and not very popular to, I mean, maybe this is part of the reason. Is this like attention seeking? Like, hey, I want people to listen to me sometimes. And that's part of having a podcast and having jobs where I am interacting with the public a lot. And Toastmasters has been really helpful in putting kind of some structure around that and helping me be a better speaker in ways that I hadn't really thought that much about. Things that Toastmasters care a lot about are things like filler words, like these, um, uh, there's an actual assignment at every Toastmasters meeting of someone to keep track of our filler words. And it's crazy how much we all use them. And I'm finding that doing the podcast too, is that it is such a natural thing for people to use filler words and being part of a group that kind of points that out and and says, hey, you could sound better if you did this in this way or if you said this in a different way. Like you just said, kind of, kinda. That was not really necessary. That's a kind of all, <laughs> kind of all the time, constantly, kind of, or you know, is the worst. Um, and there's an um. So Toastmasters has been really good to kind of train me to kind of to train me out of those bad habits. It's fun having a podcast because I can edit out a lot of the mistakes as well which feels a little bit like cheating. But one of the things that I've noticed in making episodes is as I edit out filler words and kind of tighten up, if I say something and take those filler words out, people sound so much better. So that's the main takeaway from Toastmasters is if you pay attention to those things, you will sound more confident and smarter and just a better speaker just by being thoughtful about your word choice and avoiding some of the things that slow you down or are unnecessary. Well, and it's such a credibility factor. That's the real issue is when you can speak and sound confident and intelligent about what you are talking about, people will listen more. They will want to hear you. They will want to know what you have to say because of the confidence that you bring when you talk. For example, I attended an anniversary business, a business anniversary party a couple days ago. And the owners had planned some entertainment. They were bringing somebody in to do, it was all online. But when it started, they wanted to welcome everybody and thank them for supporting this business that just launched a year ago. And I know that they love their business and I know that they are good people. And I know that they were genuine in what they wanted to say. But the ums and ahs, because you could tell they were uncomfortable with talking about it to a group, was very noticeable. And it made me a little bit sad for them because I wonder how many times they're pitching like a sponsorship deal for a podcast or trying to you know sell to a customer and they're losing a little bit of credibility points without even realizing it. 
but it also made me really grateful that I'm in an organization like Toastmasters that count our ahs and ums and point those things out, not to be mean, not to embarrass you at the end of the meeting and say, yeah, you won today, you had the most, you know, but to just help us be aware so that we can continue to work on it and realize I probably should just pause right here while I'm thinking about what I want to say next instead of saying, um, or, uh, before I decide what I want to say next, just a, a little pause is so much more effective while you're trying to figure out what's going to come out next. And it automatically lends your credit, makes your credibility level higher. And again, I'm not perfect unless Connor edits that out. You heard that I just stumbled over my words. <laughs> You know, when you're in an impromptu conversational in. format like this, it's one thing. And yes, I hope that I'm doing a decent job articulating what I do in Reno and why Connor invited me to be on the show today. And I hope he doesn't have to edit too much. But these concepts apply whether you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, whether or not it's going to be recorded and turned into a podcast, or if I'm just, like I said, doing a sales pitch, doing a you know job interview with someone, being interviewed for a newspaper article, or on a stage emceeing an event or speaking, you know, giving a keynote presentation, which are all things that I do on a fairly regular basis. So Toastmasters can help me keep sharp and practice all of those skills between events. You know, I am see a few weddings every year and you know, if you go three to five months between events, if you don't pick up a microphone like last year when I wasn't even really doing trivia for several months, you get rusty. But I was so grateful that I was giving speeches and leading meetings and being put on the spot to answer impromptu questions three times a week that I feel like when I do get paid to do an event, whether it's, like I said, I'm seeing a wedding, which I charge top dollar for, or a trivia night which isn't the same level of expectation for perfection. You know, it's not a once in a lifetime event, but I want to represent my company well. And I want people to have fun and not be distracted by how poorly I speak on a microphone. If I'm practicing at Toastmasters, then my clients get the best version of me. My audiences can get the best version of me that I'm able to bring. Yeah, there's no doubt that between the, the times when we were not doing DJ Trivia, because I was going to Toastmasters weekly and still getting to practice, I think that helped me when we did go back to trivia, being able to jump right back in instead of fumbling over my words and kind of struggling to get used to being back on a microphone. One of the things that you mentioned was the helpfulness of you having already been in an online club. And when we moved to online, having kind of an expert for that. And I think one of the benefits too of... Toastmasters taking on this hybrid model and this online model during the pandemic was that a lot of people who were not that familiar with technology and Zoom and running meetings electronically got that kind of practice. I think that in the Zoom world of the last year, Toastmasters has probably been really helpful for a lot of people, not just helping them be speakers in real life, but also electronically, right? Yes, like I said, even before the pandemic, I was doing a lot on Zoom. I've been on a board for a conference that takes place in Milwaukee for about four years now. And I'm the only member that lives this far away. There's another member that lives on the East Coast, but most people are in the Midwest somewhere. But again, they're geographically spread out. We live in three different time zones, six different states, and we've been meeting on Zoom for years. So it was a part of my life, but not as mainstream. And I feel like now 
everybody's experienced a Zoom meeting. You know, your kids, even if they weren't on Zoom before, they know how to use it. And so, yes, being able to use the technology and little things, like I said, learning how to look into a camera when you are speaking on video, like it's really tempting to look down on your screen at the person that you want to be seeing because you're talking to them. But yet if somebody's watching the video later, it doesn't look like you're making eye contact. It looks like your head is just down and you're not paying attention. So again, it's a little thing that you can learn that you can practice. So if you do get asked to do a webinar or teach something, you can. But the other real advantage, Connor, is you're bringing it back to the community and the people that you meet. This year, we've had people visit our club who don't necessarily live in Reno. In the past, you had to drive over to the county building on 9th and Wells and park and walk in and go upstairs. My brother was a teacher in Sacramento, still is, and he came during the summer to our meetings when he was off school last year and not even having to teach during the day. And he couldn't visit our meetings on a regular basis before. It was fun for me to get to have him. We have a member who just joined one of my clubs who lives in San Diego. And he joined because we're meeting on a format where it allows him to come. So yes, in my online club, like I said, we've had members from Canada and Australia and coast to coast, you know, in the US for for years. And it's been super fun to really expand your circle you know, and I know when I go to Australia, I have more friends now than I did before. Two of the members I have met in real life, we've hung out at conferences together um, multiple times and both have taken workshops with me. And there's a new member that I met through, you know, expanding my, my online circles through another Toastmasters club who we found out was a radio DJ and he joined our club. And even though we haven't met in person, he's a friend. He's someone that I see week after week, and I feel like I I know him, and I get to hear his stories, and it's just really great to be connected with so many people, and Toastmasters is just one way to, like you said, give some structure to some conversations, but people are sharing their stories and, and being real, and we've had many times where we've shed tears together, and we've gotten emotional, and, you know, it's... We've had members get married and whose spouses have gone into the hospital for major things. And we feel like we've kind of lived that journey, even though we live on opposite sides of the world. Um, It's been amazing. And then keeping in touch with the Reno people that while they're waiting for the vaccine, aren't able to meet face to face, but I still get to see them. I get to see their eyes, hear their voices week after week. You know, one of our members told me that one of the things she misses the most was seeing my shoes. And I said, oh, I miss shoes too. I have a lot of great shoes that really haven't gotten worn very much because when I'm standing at my desk working or doing my Toastmasters meetings or even right now as we're recording this podcast, I am barefoot. I did not put shoes on for you. Yeah, I think that that is one of the things I appreciate the most about Toastmasters is this community aspect and getting to know people like you were talking about people that don't live in Reno, but even in Reno too, getting to know people who live in town. There are people who played on my trivia teams who are part of my Toastmasters club. So I get to know them on a more personal level than just having them as players at trivia. There are people that I've met through Toastmasters who may be guests on the podcast or may put me in touch with people and kind of strengthen those connections with the community. So I really just appreciate having like a weekly thing. This is where I'm going to basically pitch to listeners. If you want to come to a Toastmasters meeting, it is free to come visit as a guest and see what we do. You can go to renotoastmasters.com, which is the Washoe Express Toastmasters website, or just send me an email. If you send me an email to Connor 
C-O-N-O-R at renoites.com. I can give you all the information about Toastmasters. And uh, we're still meeting on Zoom right now. So it's really easy to hop in for a meeting. So if anyone's listening and wants to actually check out Toastmasters for yourself, it is very easy. And I'm happy to tell you how to do that. Before we switch gears, though, Connor, I just want to say one more thing about Toastmasters. And you mentioned it before, but I just wanted to kind of add my my two cents of the idea that you can meet other people in the community that you might not have otherwise crossed paths with has been really amazing. And just a few quick examples. I've met people in Toastmasters who have I've done business with. I met a guy named Mike Davis who owns East Fork Roofing Company. And I knew him from Toastmasters from when he was giving speeches. And he gave speeches about some things were personal and some were related to business, like the wind events that we have here in Reno and how that affects the quality of the roofs that we have on our homes. And when my house needed a new roof, guess who I called and who I you know spent $12,000 doing business with was someone that I met from Toastmasters. And I loved that I knew the owner personally of this business, especially because it was a you know big chunk of money. I've had people hire me for DJing events or emceeing events or speaking events because I met them at Toastmasters. And then one story in particular that has totally changed my life. There was a gal named Kathy G who gave a speech a few years ago at Washoe Express about organ donation. And she shared really personal stories about people in her family that had been recipients and gotten organs and skin grafts and other things. And then she shared about when her husband was killed, how many different people he was able to help by donating. And it was, I think it was over 20 people. And I remember leaving that speech saying, oh my gosh, you know, she had a good speech and a great call to action. And I remember thinking, oh, my birthday is coming up and I've got to go to the DMV and renew my license next week. I'm going to make sure that I have my little sticker that I'm an organ donor. And that's my, you know, my big takeaway from her emotional, impactful speech. 24 hours later, I found out that my MC mentor and trainer was in stage four kidney failure and needs a, a live donor. And I kind of went, oh, well, not having to die first seems like a really great idea. And long story short, I went through the process and I'm a match for Rebecca. And I literally get to go have surgery with her and give her a kidney. And I don't even know if that would have been on my radar if it wasn't for randomly, and I don't believe in random, hearing Kathy's speech the day before and having my eyes open to what being an organ donor would mean. That that's all Toastmasters. And it's just this domino effect. If it's business, if it's personal, that it's friendship, that it is literally something that could save someone's life. All of that traces back to something as simple as spending an hour a week in a club focusing on communication and personal growth and leadership. Like, how cool is that? So yeah, it could yeah. change someone's life. I'm not saying you're gonna have to donate a kidney if you join Toastmasters, <laughs> but it would change it could change your life and someone else's. You just don't know who you're gonna meet. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I really do love the community aspect and just getting to meet people. Like I said, it doesn't matter what you're meeting for, whether it's to practice your public speaking and communication, whether you go to church, whether you have any kind of club or group or organization where you get to interact with different people on an ongoing basis. I just think is such a key to feeling connected to a community and meeting people and having, I think, a healthy, active social and community life is you got to go out there and and interact with people 
The other thing I wanted to ask you about today is personalities. So you just finished a kind of a book club about your book about personality training and the colors of the personalities. So can you talk a little bit about what a, a personality trainer is? Where did you learn about personalities and how do you apply that both to business? Like you said, you've written a couple of books about this and you talk about this and also to your other business, to DJ Trivia, had a personalities mm-hmm. factor in there. Why are personalities such a big deal? Because it seems like that's a common thread among all the things that you do. Cool. So for the record, you just asked me about six questions. So when I talk for way too long, (laughs) I just want you to remember, anybody listening, that I'm actually trying to answer all six questions that Connor just asked. This is my bad. This is my bad podcast hosting tendency. No. I do two things. I stack questions up. I'll ask like five questions in a row and then be like, OK, go. And I also tend to ramble on. I'll ask the question and then I'll think of something else and say something. And then I'll come back and ask the question again. And at the end of my question, I've asked four questions and I've faked out like I'm going to let you talk and then I keep going. So I'm going to stop right now and actually let you get to my multiple questions. I I love it. I love it because for me, that's a sign that you are engaged and genuinely interested in what you're asking. And I love that you're being real and not just reading from a script. But as a guest, I'm sensitive. Like, I know you invited me to interview me, but I don't want to just you know, talk the whole time and not let you get a word in edgewise. So I th- I feel like there's this like little balance. And if I throw the balance off right now, I'm just throwing it back that it's because you asked me, you know, a whole list of questions at once. So fair enough. I first became interested in personalities when I met my husband. Actually, we were doing some premarital counseling and we took a personality test that our pastor asked us to do before the wedding. And it was just really fun. And then we were, we did some other personality conversations with some other couples that we knew. And I just thought it was cool and interesting. And then fast forward, when I I mentioned that MOPS group that I was involved in, and I was doing a lot of presenting at different groups, and I was in leadership at the state level and putting on some mom conferences for moms. And I thought, you know what, I'm really loving this public speaking thing. I should try to find something to help me get better. So I looked for like a conference or a training and I found a three-day thing that I could attend that was basically a training for public speaking. And I'll admit, I didn't do a ton of research because my personality gets excited about an idea and jumps in. And all I knew was it was within driving distance. I knew someone in the town where it was that I could stay with so I could keep my costs down. I could afford to go and it fit with my schedule. So I signed up and I went. And after I got there, I realized the people putting on the public speaking course were the same people that had developed the test that my husband and I had taken years earlier in our premarital counseling. And I was like, oh, this sounds familiar. This is really cool. So personalities was coming up at this public speaking training more in the context of if you're speaking to an audience and you're crafting a presentation, you need to be aware of all of the different personality types that are in your audience and making sure that you've got like an element for all of them. And also that you're being true to your own personality, that while it's good to have mentors that we admire, that we can't just decide, oh, I'm going to speak like this person because they may or may not have the same personality as you. And you end up being fake if you try to copy someone. So understanding your own strengths and weaknesses and being true to yourself and understanding your audience. And I just thought this is really cool. And I was getting my my public speaking skills ramped up. And this was before I got reintroduced to Toastmasters, but I could do this in, you know, in three days. And then at the end of it, they said, if anybody is interested in coming back, we're going to have another training and you can get certified 
to be a certified personality trainer and teach these materials. And I was like, oh, this sounds like me. I've always been interested. This rekindled my interest. So I went back and I got that training and you had to, you know, attend more trainings and read several books and write some reports and do a demo and get letter of recommendation. And it was a super fun process. So I think it was about 12 years ago now that I got certified. And it was during that second conference where I kind of had my aha moment for me because before this personalities was something I did to understand my husband and our children and my personal relationships. But during that other training, I had this, oh my gosh, I'm working with brides. We were like knee deep in the wedding industry at the time. I'm like, what if I started trying to pay attention to the personalities of my clients? How could I shift what I do and modify the way I communicate to really serve them better and understand them more. And yes, at the risk of sounding manipulative, increase my bottom line because I could sell better if I was really truly serving their needs. And so I started really trying to apply that to the clients that we were serving. We had a video business at the time. And then I also managed the wedding photography department at the Peppermill for about three years. And so I would hire their, I ran the team of wedding photographers. We were doing about 400 weddings a year at the time. And so I had seven photographers on my staff and I was starting to match their personality with the clients. And then the clients would come in the next day and I would do the sales presentation. And I was learning how if a client came in and they were really laid back and they were speaking more quietly, that I needed to do the same thing, that they were probably what I would label a blue or a green, and they needed me to be calm and to be more methodical. But if they came in and like, oh my God, yesterday was the best day ever. We were just so excited to be here, that it was okay for me to get loud and ask for more of their stories. And I was really fine tuning. I'm like, okay, that's a yellow personality. So it's okay for me to let my yellow side show. But if I was trying to serve a client that was an opposite personality color from me, then I needed to kind of shift and step back and calm down and try to meet them where they were at. And even just the phrasing that I used, that I could understand them better and make them feel more comfortable. I used to leave a sales meeting and if the client didn't hug me, I'd be like, they didn't like me. Once I learned personalities, I was like, oh, maybe they're just not a hugger. Maybe they're a handshaker. Maybe it's not about me. Maybe I can't force the hug on people that aren't natural huggers. And it just gave me a totally different lens to see people with. So I started experimenting and I gave a little talk to a group of wedding DJs on how to understand the brides that they were trying to serve. And it was called Speaking Her Language, The Four Dialects of Speaking Bride. It's my very first seminar I ever did. And they really liked it and they had good questions. They thought this was great. And then somebody there said, hey, I'm in a similar group of wedding professionals in with DJs in Sacramento. Would you come and give this talk at our chapter? And I said, sure. And then I was there and somebody there said, I'm in this other group called the Association for Wedding Professionals International. We have a regional conference coming up. Would you come and, and give it there? And it just started to grow. And after a while, people were coming up to me after the seminars and saying, oh my gosh, this is so helpful. This is so great. Where can I get your book? And I went, a book? I go, I'm just a speaker. I'm not a writer. After two years of hearing that, after every single talk, I said, fine, okay, I'll try to write a book. And I did. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I kind of figured it out. And I got some advice from some other people that I knew. And I self-published my first book, Personalities for Business, in 2013, I think. Then shortly thereafter, 
my brother and I decided to write personalities for educators together. I was a high school teacher in my past life before weddings and special events. And he has been working as a high school teacher and middle school teacher ever, you know, his whole adult life has a master's degree in education. So I thought, well, we'll write this book together. I bring the personality piece. He's got more current stories about education. So we wrote that one. And then at the time I was co-hosting a podcast with another friend and we were teaching some workshops together. We wrote a book called Creating Connections, which is not necessarily personality related, but it was more topics on the podcast, but it evolved into a book tour. And then he has a book out for sales for event professionals. And we did a workshop together. And then a couple of years ago, I wrote Color Me Smart, which is the one that I just did the book study on. So it's about two or three years old. I I think three. I lost track. I blame the whole pandemic year on me not being able to keep track of time anymore. But I just wanted to do something for my audience since I haven't been doing as much in-person speaking. And that book was mostly something that I would bring to conferences. And after I spoke, people that wanted more, I would just use it as back of room sales. I never really marketed it actively. And so I just thought, you know what? People have this book lying around. Or if you didn't know about it and you want to read it, grab it. We'll get together. And then every Monday for the month of March, we would talk about four chapters until it was done. And the whole goal of it for me was helping other people understand how to identify people's personality colors and then how to apply that, especially in business settings. And those are people that are working with the public. You know, it's an important thing to know. I mentioned earlier, like I have a little bit of a method when I'm trying to match a host with my bar and restaurant. And a lot of it is the overall the overall vibe. And then Connor, you said something a little while ago, and I wish I would have written it down because I can't remember exactly, but you were talking about how you used to think you were shy. And then later you became more confident and more comfortable and you weren't sure how you felt about being in the spotlight. That's because you're a green personality. So a green personality, green is an introvert, which means you actually get your energy from recharging alone. But green is on the people side of the equation as well. And you can go to my website if you want and get like more details. I'm not trying to you know, sell you products or anything if you're listening. But if you just if you want this to make sense better, um, there's four colors. Yellow and blue are opposite corners and green and red are opposite corners. But green, where you intersect, Connor, is that you are an introvert, but you are a people person. And that's why you do so well out in the community and engaging with people. But I'm pretty sure when you leave those events, you go home and do something to recharge quietly. That's, I know that you um, like to take walks by yourself. I know that you, you know, you read a lot and you'll turn your, I know that you turn your phone on, do not disturb when you're reading. I think that's an awesome habit, but it's also because you have learned that that's what you need to get filled up. That's where you get your energy from being alone. When my husband and I, cause my husband's a green, but I'm a yellow red. I'm all extrovert. All I get my energy from being around people. When we would go to a wedding, for example, together, and like he's the DJ, I'm the MC, and we leave a wedding, I am so amped up. I'm like, is there any place still open? Can we go out? Is there live? I mean, pre-pandemic. Is there live music tonight? Whose kitchen is still open? You know, where can we go? I am like so full of energy, and because he's married to me and he loves me and he's got a little bit of yellow, he'll he can do it. But then when we get home he still needs his alone time. Like he's not ready to just go to bed right away. He's got to, you know, go spend a little time on his computer or reading quietly for a little while to kind of calm down because that's how he fills his own cup up. And so we've learned that about, 
each other as well. So that's, I think that the thing that you were feeling is that green personality and dynamic and you get a little more confident and let your people side come out, but it's a confidence thing. It's not that you're no longer an introvert. It's just that you, you know yourself better. Yeah. I think it it's helpful to have the language for understanding your own and others' personalities, because I think if you don't have the full range of, of language and understanding, you might misinterpret either yourself or others and what your personality is. Like, like I said, I think shy was probably never really the right word. It was uh, that I wasn't confident. So I wasn't shy. It's not that I didn't want attention. It's not that I didn't want to engage with people. It's just that I wasn't confident enough to do it. Now, I think having that understanding that, okay, I do like the social aspect, but I am still somewhat of an introvert and I do still need that kind of, that me time or that separation. Like for example, when I host trivia, I'm on a microphone for a couple hours. I'm talking to everyone in the crowd. I'm waving, I'm making noise. But at the end of the game, I am not generally having a few drinks and, you know, hanging out with all the groups and getting really actively in person, social, all that often. And I think you're dead on that. Part of that is that that's not my, I don't have that, that yellow or, was that more like a yellow or red mm -hmm. side, I guess, that I don't really have that strongly, but I do have the social aspect. So being able to understand the language of it and understand kind of the nuance rather than just saying like, oh, I'm shy. I don't like to be around people or, oh, I'm an introvert, which means I don't like these social situations because that's not true. I'm an introvert, but I love social situations. Well, and that is one of the, the biggest fallacies is that people don't understand what introvert and extrovert truly mean. It's not about whether or not you like people. It's about where you get your energy. And so that's a big part of what I try to help people understand is, yes, and so it's that spectrum. So picture the red and yellows on the top. That's the extroverted personality types. We're the ones that get our energy from being around people. Blues and greens on the, are on the bottom of the chart. They get their energy from being alone or maybe with one select person. But it's, it's definitely a, a different thing. But then there's also the other parts of the chart. So the left side, the yellows and greens, is the people-oriented side. And then the blues and the reds are the task-oriented. And again, I'm not saying that blues and reds don't like people or that yellows and greens can't get tasks done. But the way you process, the way you function, like, for example, at the end of the day, if somebody says, did you have a good day? A yellow or a green are more likely to process what a good day was in terms of conversations they had, people they interacted with, relationships that they nurtured, things like that, whereas a blue or a red personality are more likely to automatically go to, well, what did I accomplish? How many things did I check off my to-do list? Did I, did I you know, get some things done? Did I cross off some tasks? And so it's just how you're, how you're wired. And, and that's the name of the test. If you want more information wired that way, you can buy that little, there's a 40 question personality quiz. You can buy on Amazon for $4 or you can get it from thepersonalities.com and take the full assessment. But the reason I teach colors is because everybody knows their colors and it's pretty easy to grasp. You don't have a lot of new vocabulary to learn, but I can tell you in 10 seconds, when I say yellow, think bright, sunny, loud. When I say blue, think deep like the ocean. They're the deep analytical ones. If I say red, you automatically picture a fiery personality. And green, 
picture cool, calm, collected, like peaceful green meadows. 10 seconds, right? I wasn't looking at the clock, but pretty close. And you've got this yeah. automatic mnemonic device. It's easy to picture and it's easy to learn. So therefore, since you're not having to learn all of these fancy names for these archetypes or these initials that you don't remember what they stand for or something like that, you can spend the rest of the time that you have to think about it on actually applying it and figuring out how can this make life better for me and the people around me. And it doesn't matter if you're doing it in a business setting or in your home or just trying to understand yourself and what you need to be the best version of you. Understanding colors is a really effective way. And that's why I chose this particular method to dedicate the last 10 years of my life to teaching. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it says about my personality that I really appreciate the simplicity of it because I'm familiar with all of these different personalities. <laughs> sorry, you were, that was types. the poster child statement for a green. I'm sorry for laughing and interrupting. <laughs> but simplicity, will, yes, that is one of your core <laughs> values. It's one of your heart needs. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm familiar with I when I went to to school, I studied business. And one of the things in one of my classes, I can't remember which we did the um, the Myers-Briggs. Mm -hmm. So and that's the E-N-F-J-I-N-T, whatever. Like, I don't, yep. <laughs> yeah. So there's these these four letters, which I've learned about and not just in college, but like several times in my life, I think that I have taken that test. And then immediately forgotten my personality type because there's all these different factors and I don't really remember, you know, it's, there's like capital or lowercase letters on them sometimes if it's strong or weak. And it's just too complicated for me. And I think the idea of, oh, OK, this is a, a color that gives me a general idea seems to be easier to remember. Do you think that there are certain personality types that are more able to kind of wrap their head around all the personality stuff? Are there personality types that are less capable of digging into personalities just because they like to keep it simple and they have kind of a, a surface view of these things? I'm going to flip it for my answer. I don't think it has to do with the personality of the person who's wanting to learn more. I think it has to do with the way it's being explained. I think any personality can learn the basics. I have done My kids have grown up speaking personalities. And a few years ago, I taught a workshop in Reno, and my whole family came and participated alongside the other, you know, business members of the community. And I had someone that flew here from Idaho to attend the training. And my kids were between 10 and, and 17 at the time. And they were raising their hands and giving examples and articulating intelligent thoughts. And I don't think it's because they're brilliant. I think Obviously, I know them, but I think it's because of the way that I explain it. I can make it actionable and accessible for anyone. And Myers-Briggs is a fantastic test. It is very accurate, but it is really hard to remember not only what all the letters stand for, but what they mean, and then how you how your personality interacts with the other ones. I can tell you I'm an ENFP because I've taken it, but if I if someone said, oh, I'm an ISTJ, I would have to really think about, okay, what is that? What does that mean? Okay, well, we're completely, okay. But for me, I can tell you, you know, yellows tend to get along really well with other yellows. We're all about having fun and being social. The potential for conflict there is that yellows do tend to love being the center of attention. So there's sometimes a little element for that, like when someone's vying for the attention. Um, so whether it's in a business setting, like when I work with yellow MCs and DJs who have a yellow bride, I have to remind them, hey, make sure your bride feels like the princess. Don't spend too much time on the microphone. You've got to give her what she needs. Blues 
tend to be really happy just hanging out with other blues. They bond over the fact that they like order and details and they need, you know, things to be just so. They love that. Greens, that cool, calm personality, they can get along with any other personality type because they're so cool, calm, and collected. But my son, who is a green, had a best friend in middle school who was also a green. And I remember just laughing because we would go somewhere in the car and they would just be sitting there side by side, not saying a word and not uncomfortable about it at all. Like they're in their twenties now and they're still friends. And that's just, that was them though. And it was comfortable to just be quiet. Whereas my daughter, who's on that yellow red part, like me, she's a lot like me. I mean, it was loud and it was noisy. And first of all, there was rarely just one friend in the car. It'd be like, I know we only have seven seatbelts, but there's eight of us that really need a ride. Can we just kind of sit really tight and we don't mind being close to each other and they're, they, you know, their stories and, you know, so different personalities. Reds, on the other hand, they get along really great with greens because greens tend to be indecisive and reds like to tell them what to do. And so if you, you know, as long as you've got that good relationship there, maybe that's why you like having me for your boss. I don't know. I was just about to say, this is a perfect <laughs> boss employee relationship for us. My red boss and my green personality. That's why we get along so well, probably. Yep. But reds, when they're working with other reds, one of two things can happen. If you're totally on the same page, you can accomplish great things. Like that book I told you that I wrote with my former podcast partner, we wrote that book together in like three and a half weeks. We made our outline. We were on a trip together with our spouses and wrote out our list of our chapters. We divided, it's a 31 day challenge. So like it was designed to read a a chapter a day for a whole month. And we split up who was going to write which chapters. And then it suddenly became like this race. Like, and I get my chapters finished before he does, which I did, by the way, I beat him by two days. And, (laughs) but like that competitive thing, but we could accomplish a lot and we had a really great time working together and could get a lot done. But reds are also the most likely to butt heads. And I've been on boards with other reds and and sometimes it's uncomfortable. A lot of reds that I coach don't love working with red clients. So it is helpful. But the other thing is sometimes you get a client that you don't love, but being able to use this terminology and understanding, oh, we're not naturally going to click because, for example, we're both reds. But I don't, I think before understanding personalities, I might have labeled that person as difficult or rude or someone I just didn't like and I couldn't put my finger on what it was. But now I can step back and say, okay, this isn't them trying to be difficult. This is just, they're super efficient. They're very direct and to the point. And I better make sure that I'm channeling my full red and I'm being direct and to the point because if I slip into yellow and I start telling too many stories, then that red who needs the, you know, things moving at that really rapid pace isn't going to be happy. And so I'm the one with the knowledge. I've got to be the one to step back and say, shut up. Don't tell your yellow stories. Go be red. That's what that person needs. And I can do that. That makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes sense. If you're the one who who understands how things work, it puts you in a position both of responsibility to kind of adapt and also gives you the ability to adapt mm-hmm. in a way that makes more sense than someone who doesn't speak the language or doesn't really understand how the personalities play into those interactions. Yeah. What else we got? What else do we want to mention? So we talked about DJ Trivia. We talked about Toastmasters. We talked about personality stuff. Those... I think are your three big things, right? Yeah. And the three things I think that you and I, you know, have in common, Um, I guess because it's, this is the Reno Ice podcast. 
Um, let's bring it really close to home. I've talked about how much I love supporting local businesses in Reno. And you can go to DJTriviaNevada.com, by the way, and learn all about our other local business partners, because I don't think we mentioned all of them that are currently back doing trivia, and hopefully more of them will be coming online in the next few weeks as things open up, people get more vaccines. But I guess I could just tell you a little bit my brief story. I, When people say, where are you from? I'll tell people, I was born and raised in San Jose, but I didn't grow up until I moved to Reno. I did not want to move here. I came kicking and screaming, but in my defense for, for, you know, the full effect of the story, my husband had just started a new job in San Jose. We had a six month old son and I was three months pregnant with our daughter. Yeah. Do the math. Six months old baby, three months pregnant. He came home from work and said, my company just announced that they're relocating to Reno. And I just said, oh, that's too bad. You kind of like that job. How long do you have to find a new one? And I wasn't being sarcastic. I was being honest and super serious. Like we had had the conversation before we got married about how far east I was willing to move. And I told him Monterey Highway, which goes right down the middle of San Jose. And we ironically were living like right off Monterey in a, in a really cool neighborhood over there. But I did not want to have my whole rug ripped out from under me. We live 15 minutes from my parents, the house I grew up in. Um, I loved my job. I, you know, my brothers were in the area. I didn't want to move here. And long story short, we moved to Reno the following June. We did spend six months in counseling and uh, with the same pastor that we did our premarital counseling with, helped us kind of walk through and talk through things. And I knew it was the right thing to do. But as an extrovert, I didn't have any friends. I barely knew anybody. I mean, I knew his boss, who I hated and resented because he was ruining my life. And, you know, um, and then he had one coworker who I had met one time. And he, he had a wife who was pregnant. And so she was my only like friend. And it was actually when I joined that mobs group that I felt like I started to find people and find a community. But now we're coming up on our 20 years. We move, it'll be June. It'll be 20 years we've been living in this house and be part of this community. And I can look back and say, this has been the best thing for us. It's been an amazing place to raise our kids. We had the two babies when we moved here. They were um, 15 months and six months by the time we moved here because we had to finish the school year. And then um, we had two more kids after we lived here. So they are now between 14 and 21. It's been an awesome place to raise our kids. We love living here. And it has been so good for us as a couple and as a family. Like we really found our identity when we were forced to start over. And I wasn't as acutely aware. My husband had kind of married into my big happy family. You know, he grew up in um, farther north, San Francisco, San Bruno area, and moved to San Jose. And we ended up meeting in San Jose. But my brothers and my parents were super entrenched in our community and in our church. And he kind of married in. I had three brothers. People would like mistakenly call him one of the Burl boys. And he's like, no, I'm not a Burl boy. I married the Burl girl. She's actually a Musni now. And it wasn't until we moved here that we really found our own identity. And it has just been the best thing for, for us. And it's been an amazing city to raise our, our family in and love it. We've had great experiences with the different schools here. Two of my boys or two of my kids graduated from AACT. And the other one is there now, and the other one is starting the culinary program there in August as a freshman. And it's just been fantastic. So I just thought I would bring it back full circle to Reno and, and how much I truly love living here and how much I've gotten to know the community and the other local business owners. That's been been a really huge, um, huge positive in our life all along. 
And then I think going through the pandemic last year, not to not to get negative, but it really is a positive. The way trivia works, once we would sign a client and get them kind of going and they were like healthy, my host was the main one interacting with the staff. And I could go a long time without actually interacting with the owner who I had signed the contract with. And it wasn't a bad thing necessarily, like business was going great and people were coming and games were running, but it wasn't until everything shut down where I started to really get intentional about rebuilding certain relationships with longtime clients and dropping in and planning my, you know, carry out pickups initially. And then later when we were able to eat, you know, in person who I wanted to visit. And I feel like my relationships with my clients is stronger now than it ever was before. And I hope that they know that through this whole pandemic that I've done everything I could possibly think of to try to show my love and support for them. And I don't fault people whose businesses closed down or they had to pick up a side job or start something new, just put food on the table and support your family. You got to do what you got to do. But I feel like a year later, I can look back and say this pandemic cemented in me that this is what I want to do. These are my people. These are my clients. And I am willing to just ride this storm with them and try to rebuild as as they rebuild. And we've been kind of paralleling, you know, restaurants are in bars are at 50% capacity right now. And we've got about 50% of our games back. We were at 21 before everything shut down, 21 weekly games. And I've got 10 right now and number 11 coming back mid-April. So we're with them. And when they were at 25%, we dropped to only five games a week. I'm not great at math, but that's pretty close to 25%. And um, so we've been, you know, kind of living it with them. And obviously when they were shut down, we were shut down. Yeah, I love what I do. And I feel like it's a real privilege to get to live here, to meet the people that I have met, to work with the people that I work with. And I count my venue partners and my staff as our big DJ Trivia family. And I love that when you were doing your intro, Connor, you use that phrase, DJ Trivia family, because that's intentional. I... I love that you feel that because that is how I try to lead my business. I want you to feel like you are a part of our lives because you are. I couldn't do this business if I didn't have people on my team that I trusted. And it's a small enough town. Connor, you're not just representing DJ Trivia. When I send you or any of our other team members out, you're representing Craig and Vicky. Like business is personal in a small town. People know who we are and I have to be careful about who I entrust with my reputation and my name um, and my livelihood. And I am really, really grateful for every person on my team. Oh, thank you so much, Vicki. Yeah, I really appreciate, like you said, your involvement in the community in so many ways. I'm so glad that it's been a great place to live for you and your family. And I will vouch for you 100% on your support of your venue partners while we were largely shut down during the pandemic. There was basically not a day that went by that I didn't see a social media post of you picking up to go food from one of the partners that didn't have trivia. I never Instagram my food before the pandemic. I swear I was not one of those people, <laughs> but I did it for my business partners. <laughs> and you, t- you talked about buying alcohol instead of buying alcohol at the grocery store. We have venue partners who sell six packs. So instead of buying your beer at the grocery store, when you get your groceries, you know, swing by the brewer's cabinet and pick up your six pack there. 
that's a way to support a local business. And I noticed that throughout the entire time that we weren't able to bring crowds to these venues because of the pandemic, you were still out there, not just supporting them yourself, but also encouraging people on your social media and people like me and everyone you know to continue supporting those businesses. So it really, it rings true how much you care about the businesses that you work with. So I'm sure that they really appreciate it. And and I really appreciate working with someone who clearly does care about the community so much. So thank you for for the opportunity to to be part of the part of the team and part of the family like you call it. I do think that the the vibe of our DJ Trivia family really is close and comfortable and fun and it's it's nice having a boss that I don't have to think of just as like the boss, but as someone that I really enjoy hanging out with and and have these social interactions with too. So so thank you for everything basically. Mm, thank you. And thanks for inviting me to get to do this with you today. This has been really fun. Um I'm just I'm proud of you. I know I'm like I'm like a total boss mom and a mom boss because I get excited when I see my staff doing cool things and um, another one of our hosts bought a house recently and I just like I get really proud and I have watched you grow so much in the last two years and seeing you get this idea and make it happen and I remember just the very first day that you launched we were driving back from the Bay Area and I told my husband, I said, okay, before we listen to that comedian, we're going to listen to Connor's new podcast. And he's like, oh, that was today. Yeah, let's do it. And we were listening with the whole family in the car while we were driving. And it was just like, oh my God, like he made it happen. And I'm just, I'm so proud of you. So yeah. And just honored to get to be a part of it. I'm so glad that you're on the show. It's been a ton of fun so far. And I really do think that it, it wouldn't be possible or it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same, let's say, if I didn't have the kind of experiences that I've had so far, both working at trivia and getting more comfortable on a microphone and with Toastmasters and being more comfortable speaking off the cuff and making the connections with people that I've met through, through trivia, through Toastmasters, all of the things that come together for a podcast or for any, anything like this to exist really does depend on a lot of other people. I thought you were going to say and understanding my own personality type, because then you would have really summed up all three points in one closing call to action, like as if this was a giant long Toastmaster speech. <laughs> right. That's that's one of the things we learn in Toastmasters is wrap it up and give a good summary of everything. So, yeah, no, the personality awesome. stuff makes a huge difference. I'm still learning the the personality colors because, again, like I said, I tend to want things simple and easy. So the the personality part is kind of new learning for me, but it definitely factors in. So uh, the more I learn and the more I do, the the more I'm able to do. Yeah. So I appreciate the uh, all of the experiences over the last few years, and especially working with DJ Trivia has been obviously a pretty, you know, foundational step on my path to doing the kind of things that I want to do. Well, I have was had no doubt in my mind when I hired you that you were going to be a great fit. And for those of you listening, if you haven't heard Connor share this story before, he told me when I interviewed him that he would probably only be in Reno for a year and then his wanderlust was going to kick the, kick in. And I'm so glad that he has made Reno his home for the long term and that he was wrong about that and that we are starting. Um, we've passed a two-year mark, I think. No, two-year mark is coming up in a, num- in a number of weeks. Um, and he'll be into his you know third year with me on staff. And I think he knows that as long as he stays working for me, I'll keep paying his Toastmasters dues. So, you know, and then you've got the podcast now. So you're, you're just, you're here. You, we've got you. And, um, and I'm so, so glad that you are part of our team. 
and part of my life. Yeah, I'm 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 very glad to be I don't want to use the word stuck because I don't feel stuck in Reno at all. I'm very glad that I have found things in Reno that are rewarding. Obviously, my family is here, so that's number one, the main reason that I'm staying in town. But in the last couple of years, I really found more of a sense of community and things that I'm interested in and stronger connections with people in town that make it much harder for me to want to to up and leave. Well, so good. Reno, I mean, I was born and raised here. It's it's always going to be my home. But the last couple of years has really felt just a little a little stickier, you know, like I'm more comfortable here and I'm doing a lot of things that I care about. So I'm excited to, you know, continue making Reno more of my my true home base in the coming years. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you're here. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Vicky. I'm really excited that we got to have a conversation that again, not to to make things all about me, but it seems like for people listening who are not that familiar with me, I'm glad that I got to share a little bit of the things that I do and that I care about the work that I do with someone who is part of all the things that I do basically in the last couple of years. So thanks for, for being, being there for that conversation and for sharing the things that you care about and, and what you're doing here in town. It was my pleasure. Thank you again, listeners for checking out Renoites and thanks to Vicki, my guest, my boss, my friend, for being on the show this week. Please be sure to tune in again next time. 